one. For those of you who are new to the show or simply don't remember, I am the one that came up with the phrase pump and pow. Now, a little bit on Friday, it looks like it was going to be dumping Powell as the market went down. But you know what? Uh-uh. It came back. We'll talk about Jackson Hole and his statements, and no one really seems to believe them. Rates are going up, or you can hurt the market. Triple M gets a settlement. Tim Quast is back to give his unique view on the markets. It's Monday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. After Friday's uh, choppy price action, we got a bid in this market. We're up nine and a half handles at 44.2375. The buck's still over 104, up a couple pennies. Bonds up a quarter of a point, right at 120. Uh, crude still dancing around 80 bucks, up a nickel, 79.88. Gold not really moving, up 270, 1942.60. Silver, that's up about four cents, 24.27. And Bitcoin, Bitcoin, consolidation station, major support or. Are we breaking down to 24K? Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, I'm sure that you just had a just a blast uh, trading during the uh, Jackson Hole speech. Yeah, there wasn't uh there was definitely some chop, but I'll tell you, those are very, very difficult events to trade. Like a lot of people just think it's but it's algo driven. I mean, humans get run over in those events. So those are difficult to predict. Like, I mean, we we, we rally a little bit in the initial when he starts talking. Then we fall 50 handles. Then through the day, we rally 50 handles. It was a chop fest. So in all likelihood, if you're trading that event, you're getting chopped up. For the most part, I try to avoid those events because you're not going to be the HFT algos with the words coming off of his lips. And it's usually a chop fest. So the best way to trade those things is often just to fade everything. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you made that break, you made the low, we're going for last week's low, and then you're like, okay, okay, so this is going to be a down day. Then you start fading it on that, uh, you know, the 11, 11, 30 noon rally, and you absolutely get run over from it. But the bottom line is, I mean, he's still, I think he's in a kind of in a sweet spot because he's being hawkish, he's being hawkish, and the market doesn't care. The market said we beat inflation. You couldn't hurt the economy with raising interest rates. Everything is perfect. And uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like the buyers, you know, they've been struggling all last week to get control. And it feels like they kind of, I mean, going into the week, going into the day, we're up 10 handles. Anything can happen. But just seems like we got a firm bid out there. Let's bring in. Uh, I, I don't feel that at all. I no? feel, you know, we're bringing money, Mitch. I don't feel that. I feel like we've been oversold and we got a little bit of a bounce because it's a relief rally that nothing worse was said. Um, but you know, this is why we have a market. I mean, you can argue S&Ps did not make a new low on the move. So that's good news. We did bounce off that whole area where we were down. So the August lows have held. So that's the bull case. And that may be a case, but I think you got to continue to watch your leadership. You know, that's going to be the key is what is mm-hmm. NVIDIA doing? It's still your leader. Even though the earnings are past us, it's still your leader. Needs to hold 450. You don't want to see NVIDIA start losing 450 because then all the Momo trains start coming off here again. So I would say until NVIDIA can reclaim at minimum the highs that it was trading, like that 474.80 area, I'm still trading cautiously here. Okay. All right. Let- all right. Go ahead, Mitch. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about, of course, the Fed talk that happened on Friday. Uh, Fed's inflation concerns starting off with a critical update, of course, on Friday. Jerome Powell addressed concerns about inflation. Powell emphasized that while inflation has decreased from its peak, it remains alarmingly high. 
He indicated that the Fed's readiness to raise interest rates further if necessary and maintained a restrictive policy stance until they are confident inflation is sustainably moving towards our target. Powell affirmed that the Fed's commitment to its goal of bringing inflation down to 2%, and it just goes to show you, prolonged interest rates is everything that I see out in the market. Um, I, I just don't think anything was unexpected here. I think that he was going to remain hawkish. I think the majority of people, there's obviously some people who thought he was going to be dovish, but we said on this show Thursday previewing it, he's going to be hawkish. I think it was kind of like we knew NVIDIA was going to beat. We knew where they're going to beat well, and it sold off anyways because the expectations were just too high. Could it have been the opposite that, you know, the market had kind of been beat up going into it? You know, obviously, we had the NVIDIA sell off. We got a lot of stocks down significantly in the last month. ARKK sitting, you know, down 20% for the month. It was a really ugly month for stocks. So is it just a fact that maybe, you know, all the bad news was potentially already baked in from obviously pumping Powell and he obviously is not pumping Powell anymore, dumping Powell, whatever you want to call him. But I think he didn't say anything unexpected. So I think the market, a little bit of a relief rally that there was nothing unexpected here. Yes, he remains hawkish, but I think the market thought he was going to remain hawkish. And they're like, you know what? We still think you're one and done here. We're calling your bluff one and done. And that's why we rallied. All right, I wanted to bring in a little bit of the CME Fed tool here. And for September, it's still showing an 80.5% for the current interest rate. Now, when you move over to November 1st meeting. Can you that, show us that, Mitch? Yeah, I can show it on the, on the yeah, charts yeah, here. Yeah, show us that. Yeah, by all means. That's what I, I like to focus on, of course, the CME Fed tool. Hey, you guys cool can see take a look tool. at it. It's a good tool. I'll go ahead and I'll go full screen with it right here so you guys can see it. All right, so uh, let's take a look at September, and you can see how September went from around 80.5, uh, 80 percent to 80.5. So that actually moved like, like you're saying, that they expected what happened, right? And now where I see things changing is in November. In November, we were at like 46.7 percent an interest rate hike. Now we're at 51 percent. Um, so it's showing that at least Slightly in November, up. they think that that's when we get maybe the next 25 basis points. We'll see if that happens or not. Um, I think it could still happen in September, but at least from what the CME. What are the odds to saying, actually have a hike in September? Only 19.5. Only 19.5. So they don't think he's going in September. Yeah. It's such what? a tricky market. I mean, we're just in this, like, in trying to predict, you know, we're in, you know, August. Like, let's go to the seasonality here. This historically is one of the slowest months of the year. This is when traders are taking their last vacations. You know, some, some of it, you know, some of the kids are going back to school already now. But this historically is a pretty slow week. You get past Labor Day, and then you start seeing things pick up. You start seeing action pick up. We know September it starts to pick up. We have some earnings. You know, there is some drivers here. A lot of cloud stocks reporting this week. The CrowdStrike, which got downgraded today, it's going to report this week. There is some things on the earnings calendar. But I think you're just in for a choppy. Like, I thought August was going to be more choppy and ended up being down. Like, down significantly. I thought it was going to be down but choppy. Um, we kind of just have been down. So maybe we do enter just a little bit of a chop period. I mean, you've got a real battle here. I mean, Joel's kind of turned to the bullish side. I'm still leaning to the bearish side. I think you're still leaning a little bit bearish here too, here, Mitch. So we got a market. We got people who are bullish, people who are bearish. I think it's going to equal some chop. Well, one thing to keep in mind too is before the Fed makes that decision on September 19th and 20th, you are going to get the August CPI data. So that Fed tool, that Fed could go into a fast market to the upside if you get some hot numbers. And, uh, and we're due. I mean, they've, They've had a lot of good months of, uh, uh, you know, bringing it down, uh, crude, you know, other factors. So they're going to have a lot more information than they do now. We'll also get the jobs number. I don't think we get it on Friday. We might get it the following Friday. Uh, but there's, a, you know, there's a lot of information that the Fed's going to have before they make the decision. Uh, and Dennis, you're right. It's been a down August, but it's been a, I mean, we had that one streak where we were down like 12 out of 14 days, but it was like a, it was like a Nick, a Nick, a Nick, you know, you didn't get like the big flush and it was death by a thousand cuts. I think you use that term. What I have not seen in the last eight, 10, 12 trading sessions is like more than like two up days. 
you know, or more than two down days. And a lot of times it's update, down day, update, down day, update, down day. And it's inconsistent. You know, the market, when it gets going, it goes on streaks. It had a good day on Friday, right? Ended up being an update. Now we're working on the second update. We'll see if we can complete that. And if we complete another update on Tuesday, then, you know, you're on a three-day winning streak and you know how those evolved. So it's been choppy to down, consolidation a little bit. And it just, uh, this it's like, a, it's like a sleeper rally. But for me, that crazy high on Thursday uh, that we did off the, uh, in the pre-market, that's right around 50% of uh, the break that we've had. Let's see if we float up there. And when we get the big moves, when we have a, a big decline, a big rally, a lot of times the 50% is a key level and uh, as resistance. If that holds, then yeah, we're still in a downtrend. But, man, we're going to get a lot more information by the time the Fed makes that decision. I'm going to keep my eye on NVIDIA, though, here, even though the earnings have passed. It's such a key stock for this overall market. It is the reason that we had the June, July, August rally or June and July rally in tech, the AI bubble inflating. And I think you need to keep your eye on this stock because it hasn't caught a bid here yet. It didn't catch a bid on Friday, did not participate, was down 10 points on Friday. Um, if it can catch a bit, that's what's going to move the market higher. So I think no matter what, even if you don't trade NVIDIA, you're keeping it on your screen because it is still your leader. Uh, we thought we talked about it on Friday. I said I thought it has a date with 450, and I said it's sooner than later if you go back to Friday's show. We exactly bounced off of 450. We got down to 450.24, so within 24 cents. Kind of where I thought it might bounce, it did exactly bounce there. Does the 450 hold now? That's the question. Can we, like, you know, back and fill a little bit here, meaning, you know, we come back in, test it a bit, maybe hold. 450 is key for me, NVIDIA. If NVIDIA can hold 450, start to build, build a base, or just rally out of here, the market has legs. But as long as NVIDIA doesn't participate, then I think there's, you know, you know some worries here. The market could roll over again. So you don't want to see NVIDIA lose the 450. Let's that take was, a look. I just wanted to give another upside uh, on this one. Dennis gave you that low, which is just under the three and four day lows. Uh, but I'm gonna, and I gave you guys this number on Friday. The all-time closing high is 471.63. Had a couple other closes in that area. To me, like if this is like if they're gonna get this thing back to 500, they get not only do you have to get back over 470, but you have to prove that it's support, that it's gonna be defended. Right now, the bulls are comfortable at you know buying it. At, you know the 450, 452 area. I'm still, I know we traded through it on Friday through 478.05, but man, just keep an eye on that close. All time closing high is 471.63 the day before the earnings. Let's look at the China market boost and a move to revitalize the capital markets and restore investors' confidence. Chinese authorities have taken action. They've cut down on the stamp duty for stock trades with a new policy taking effect today. China's related stocks are responding positively with both Alibaba and Baidu each seeing gains of over 1% in the pre-market. Is China stocks to move here? Well, it was, the, we talked three or four days ago when Bob was starting to get back down in the 80s. And I'm like, you got great support down in the low 80s. I don't know if you're going to get there. We didn't get there and we're bouncing out of there again. Baba has been a buy in the 80s here for a long time. I mean, just go to the weekly charts. Every time we're down here in the 80s, if you're buying it, you're making money. Obviously, it took a lot of heat back in you know September of 2022. But in 2023, if you've been buying Baba in the 80s, you've been doing well with it. It worked here again, got down to 86 last week. Now we're back up to 91. Continues to find you know this bounce area in the 80s. There's a huge value in here. And again, you know, obviously the risk we've talked about before, you guys know the overall risk, which is Taiwan. But I mean, Baba in the 80s, it's good value. And they're what do you see on the charts here, Joel? Uh, no, I was just switching. I was just switching off the weeklies here, and I'm going to get it back to the dailies. Oh man, it, it's a uh, Dennis. You gave me that that good support area. I mean, I think, and this is just like there's no specific number here, but like let's get over a hundred. Let's stay over a hundred because that's been you know Dennis gave you the the bottom of the trading range, 82, 83. Top of the trading range is 100. You're at 90. You're right in the middle. I mean, they're trying over there. Uh, but and right now, it's just uh, it's just a trading range. So got 
on this one. Looks like you got some room up to 100. Um, if I see the FXI, I can see that kind of bottoming around the 26. So that's another way to maybe play this play today. Of mm -hmm. course, I'll keep an eye out on that. Um, and I wanted to bring some other Chinese news here as Xping is rising. Exciting news for the electric car sector. Chinese electric car company Xping has caught the market's attention following a major deal with ride hauling giant uh, Didi. Um, XPIN's shares surged more than 13% late morning as they're set to acquire the Smart Electric's car asset through a share exchange, and they're already gearing up for a launch of their first mass-market electric car model, codename Mona. So XPIN is up. It, it's getting a bit here, and you have Neo going to report, I believe, tomorrow night, if I'm correct there, Mitch. Um, yeah, I'll double NIO. check on that for you. Yeah, I'm not 100%. I have it written down here. I didn't verify it with the pro, though, but I had you it got written it down. Before the market opens tomorrow. Tomorrow. So it's tomorrow morning, Neo is going to report. So that's an interesting report here as well. And then you have this VFS that everybody's talking about, VinFast. And what we've said is, like, when you are disconnected from fundamentals, price can go anywhere. It can do anything it wants. You're completely disconnected from an, an from the entire fundamental story here. It's all just on you know momentum, story, no locates. I mean, I looked at interactive brokers just for fun. If you could get a locate, and I didn't try, but if you can maybe find a locate, the borrow rate on VFS right now is three hundred and fifty six percent. So it's basically cost prohibitive at this point for shorts. There's not a lot of people short in the stock. And, you know, you're just like when you have no shorts to keep price in check, this is what can happen. And price can go higher. Price can go lower, too. It's a hot potato, though. At a certain point in time, the music ends and the thing collapses. But we don't know where that is. That's why, I you know, your stocks go to 80. Sometimes they can go to 90, 100, 200. You know, you don't, just don't know. It can go wherever it wants. I don't trade this stuff because there's very little ways for me to control the risk. And things trading you know, sometimes a buck wide right now, it's, you know, 80 to 88, 80, 50 to 80, 80. But I mean, it's wild. This thing I was watching it after hours and it was 37, then it was 33, then it was 39, then it was 41. And I was like, holy, it's just too much risk for me to try to control. Uh, 10 bucks off the pre-market high. I'll just give you that. And then you can use that as a parameter. That was at 92 even. And since uh, people woke up at 4 a.m., it looks like they... There's a bit at 75, but uh, those are all uh, half-star numbers. They don't even deserve uh, one star because, as Dennis said, and controlling the risk on these things is, uh, you know, it, if you're good at it, keep Hard doing do. it. Yep. XPEV, uh, that chart, that looks okay. I looked at the NEO, though. That was the only one that was like, okay, 11 bucks, you know, or just the, where all those multiple lows, excuse me. Someone's stepping up big at 1050 here. So if you're if you're if you're leaning on this 1050 area, I have no problem with it. Uh, buyers there ahead of the report been kind of quiet between 1050 and uh, just over 11. Now trading over 11 bucks with the market. So that's for NIO. We have a significant development in the legal realms. Industrial giant 3M is making headlines here as its shares shot up nearly 6% in the pre-market trading. This comes after reports that a tentative agreement to settle over 300,000 lawsuits related to the combat airplugs sold by to the U.S. military, the potential settlement amount a staggering $5.5 billion. I mean... You know, they've talked even bigger numbers in this. So if they can yeah. settle this out for five billion, it's a win for three M. We know Johnson Johnson was trying to settle out their talc issues and you know, trying to do it for eight to nine billion, and then that's not working out so well now. So yeah, you, you you struggle to think, is it gonna really settle? Because we've talked about this before and like, oh yeah, they're gonna figure this out. And now it's talking about a settlement. I mean, if it gets settled, it's awesome news for three M, but I'm skeptical that this is actually going to settle. Once again, uh, the uh, the the courts uh, dictating in the market. Uh, with this one, I mean, you did get a pop to the 105 area. And you did have some congestion in that area. The next daily high I would look for would be 105.86. The only reason I'm not chasing it here and not buying it here is because I think that there's traders, investors, whatever funds that are just kind of buying it. You know, maybe not at uh, 102 or 103. They're just kind of cagey buyers. And then they're like, okay, 
if there's some good news on the settlement, we're out. We're up six bucks. And that, that's just kind of the way I look at it because you don't know until you know. And uh, what wasn't one case like a billion dollars or something? Uh, or there was one amount, there was one case that was settled that was like a, just a fraction of what this is. Well, that so, was Johnson and Johnson we were talking about. Well, no, was, no, no. There was, there was also triple M settled with somebody on one thing too. I don't, I don't have it. Up in on. any regard, if they can settle this for 5 billion, it's a huge win. So this morning they are applauding this potential settlement here because it's less than the market was th- figuring in. I mean, give a perspective here. 3M right now is a dividend of 5.71%. It trades with the PE, just how much they've hit. And it is down at this pricing because of these lawsuits. This is why it is down. But it's trading with a PE right now of 11. A forward PE of 11. The reason it's so far down is they don't know how big you know these settlements are going to be. So if they can settle this out, this stock could be a hell of a lot higher, but I don't know. Like, again, I'm skeptical because we've heard, we've talked about potential 3M settlements here before, and then they seem to just not work out. You know, we talked about this, I feel like six months ago, the stock was up seven or eight bucks because they were going to get it settled. And then, it, you know, it just kind of fizzles away. So are they actually going to get it settled this time or is it just still talk? That's the question. They did have one settlement for 77.5 million. And that's what everyone that's what everyone spooked. So I I don't oh, know that could was you a imagine three hundred thousand. Right. We did this Johnson yes. Johnson same issues three hundred thousand. What is that math? I don't even know how you can't yeah, even do it. Your trusty calculator because I can't do the error math on that. But three hundred thousand is that what it settled for? Was three, I sorry, yeah? What, I'm, what I'm was trying the to, was the settlement amount? I thought they settled. Uh, that one of them was a set. I thought. Now I'm just going uh, through that through this on the internet. Uh, one, I think there was one verdict that was 77 million. Oh, so bankrupt the company, you know, if exactly. everyone if one was 77 million, it could bankrupt the company. So if that was the case in any regard here, if they can settle this for $5.5 billion, you do it all day long. It is a huge win for shareholders. So, you know, I hope for 3M shareholders, I hope they get it settled again. I'm still skeptical. Disaster stock of the day. Off of the NovoCure's clinical trial results in the medical field, there's news from NovoCure. The results of the phase three trial have been unveiled. Unfortunately, the trial of the tumor treating fields together with Paxlitaxel in patients with platinum resistance ovarian cancer did not meet its primary endpoint of the overall survival at the final analysis. So disaster stock of the day, NBCR. Yeah, and this stock had a huge pop back in January. Must have been probably thinking that this trial was working out. I'm not sure, but we went from 67 to 120, basically doubled that first week. And it has been straight down ever since. Now you're getting down here to like 2017 pricing here. Yeah, but even below 27, well, back to 2017 pricing. So getting back to five years of gains at the highs, the stock was $232. Now it's 18 bucks. I don't know if you're all dependent on just this, you know, this one drug, it's not good news, but maybe there's another case here. I don't know. These are tough to follow all these drug companies with all their drug trials, but obviously bad news for shareholders. I draw out all that historical pricing. If you want to trade this today and I'd say, wow, nice bounce off the 1680 low. So right there, there's a, uh, you know, two buck bounce. So maybe you find buyers going back to that area and I wouldn't look for any major upside until you clear 1970. So kind of just a, a, a tight range here with uh, buyers stepping in at 4 a.m. But uh, looking at the uh, historical charts here, it's, I don't know if it's going to help you much today, but uh, bounce, nice bounce off the pre-market low. I think if uh, if you were shorted or were c- contemplating along, you'd be like, man, Maybe I'll try 17 instead of 1680. So that's what I'd be looking at this one. Can't short it down 37%, even though that could be the right thing to do. You know, we can't go far without talking about Elon. Elon Musk's Tesla AI vision. Tesla's visionary CEO, Elon Musk, is making bold predictions yet again. Musk envisions a future with around 10 million AI-trained cars on the road with already over 4 million capable of AI training. Musk emphasized the power of cameras in AI development, enabling what he calls superhuman driving. 
Despite acknowledging the challenges, he stressed Tesla's edge due to its extensive fleet on the road. Can Tesla get the AI lift today? Well, it is. It's not just can it. It is getting the AI lift here today. So, I mean, you look here, obviously, market likes what Elon Musk says. I always take it with a grain of salt because we know he has huge expectations for his company. He shoots his mouth off more than he ought. But I don't know. Technicals don't look that bad. I actually do have a position on it. And I'm, uh, I've am i got it hedged up with XLY, though. So, uh, busted up above stuff. 240. I mean, 240 kept a lid on this thing. You're busting out out of it, right? Even 239 was a high. So if they could defend 240 here, make uh, make some lows on top of these highs, then yeah. Uh, you know, maybe move up 250, 260. If they came in, you know, they sell this thing and can't get it back down under 240, then, or, and they do get it back down under 240, then it's just another fade. The other thing too, though, that would get me less apt to fade. This is the way the market's moving right now. And the S&P's, you know, this is a big component of the S&P 500 and, you know, it has momentum. It's back and, you're buying the bot, you know, if the S&Ps are going up, it's a big stock in the index, they're, they're going to be buying along with it. So as long as the S&Ps keep chugging along in an area of very limited resistance, then let it have its way. As far as having 10 million cars on the road was super driving, I mean, I, I don't know about that. This but. is his visions, though. And you know what? He does work hard at his visions. And this is what shareholders want to hear. They want to hear where the next revenue streams come and they know they pay up, you know, from valuation perspective, they want to hear this stuff. They want to hear that Tesla is going to be the next Uber. They want to hear all this stuff. So he tells them what they want to hear. I think it's just, you know, as his real, you know, it's, it's, it's like, is he going to be there next week? You know, full autonomous next year that he was saying in the David Faber interview, he sets very lofty expectations for himself. Sometimes he doesn't meet those. Let's go to the FTC's pause here. And then surprising twist, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has hit the pause button. The challenge that they filed to block Amgen's $27.8 billion acquisition of Horizon Therapeutics is on hold. This break is believed to provide time for the parties involved to consider a potential settlement. The pause will remain in effect until September 18th. What's I don't remember what the original price takeover is on this. Obviously, right I there, twenty-seven point the eight. What's that? Twenty-seven point eight billion. No, okay. the, what's the price workout to? Oh, like, the price workout. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll look. I'm that just up trying right to like get a feel for the risk, you know, for the Arabs. Like I know this fell. I remember we covered this back in yeah May and had the huge fall from one twelve to ninety when they sought the deal, and we know it came from sixty or seventy-five. You know, so your downside's probably down there in the 70s if the deal doesn't go through. I'm trying to like feel for what the upside is, though. Uh, I think you're looking at it <laughs> because you're this is where, <laughs> I, I, if it just the way it traded, I mean, whatever, if it was trading off the Amgen price or it was a, you know, a hard price. I mean, you had all day to sell it between 110 and 112. You know, even 108 to 112. And then you got smoked, right, on this, and you're like, holy mackerel. If you weren't in it, then you're buying like, hey, I think this deal is going to go through. And then you buy it, and you're rewarded here. I mean, if you sat through all that, I don't know. if the, What's the takeout price? One, it, It's important to know the takeout price, but if you just want to sit here and twiddle your thumbs until they just, you know, if they decide to pick it up against it in September, then you could go right back down. So. I don't know. It's uh, if I if I had this thing either before the pop or bought it on the drop, I'd be seriously considering lighting up. But I don't know what the price is. Is if it's one twenty, one twenty five, it, um, you know, that's always an important thing. But right back up to the area it was before. I don't know what more. If you're a shareholder in this one, I don't know what what more you could ask for. All right, so I, I don't have the exact price, but I did get some information the time that I was gra uh, grabbing this research right now. I, it was on based on a premium of approximately 47.9% when it was closing at 78.76. So I got to do the math right quick, but that's just to give you guys a little bit of an outlook there. And that was when Horizon was trading at 78.76. And that's when the news was out and it was on a premium of 47.9. 
there's some risk here. We'll just say that. <laughs> Let's go to Blackberry. Do you guys think Blackberry's takeover buzz here? Could there be takeover in the works? Blackberry's the making waves. Good Canadian company. They've always talked about the patents having some value. It wouldn't surprise me if it got taken over, but it isn't going off board like 10 or 15 or 20. It's going off the board at like seven if it goes off the board, maybe six. You know, I think it's not getting even a 10. So is, is there, is there, where's there fire where there's smoke? Potentially, but I think people who think you're going to a huge payday here are going to be disappointed. Who's the company? Uh, Veritas? Is that the one that, um, yeah, Veritas. I think what's this? The... What's the symbol on that one? Hmm. Honestly, I do not know it. You got me. You caught me. You caught me. Um, I don't think there is. At least I don't have one here. Is there one? Is that a private company, Dennis? Because I know I, I I do the VR. What are you talking about? The BlackBerry buying? Yeah. Who's, who's, buying who's Yeah. Is it a private company? I think it's an OTC company. OTC? Uh, yeah, that's what I think it is. Who Who's the company? I don't even know. Like, Because this is how much I follow the BlackBerry rumor. I don't <laughs> even know the name of the company they're buying. Like, I give, it's under five bucks. I could care less. Like, let's that's look. the truth. That's just true. Um, All right, I mean, popcorn eighty nine. Now the reason I like to see that is because, uh, oh yeah, oh this is the company. Veritas. Is are you talking the tech stock Veritas? That's publicly. I. Well, oh, there what's, you go. The Ver Veritas. Well, Farms. that's Veritas Farms. That's not it. VTR. Come on, chat. Help me out. Good. That's private Veritas. equity firm Veritas. It is, it that is all I, that's all I needed to do. It Reuters knows how to write a, a oh, headline. We're thinking of the REIT. They the gave Veritas. me the good headline. They 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 put it in the headline. Private equity firm. That's what you do, guys. That's how you easily write it in the stories. <laughs> I know. Take some I notes mean, I, from Reuters. I did PJ Shannon. I did VRTS right away too, and I'm like. No, no. Yeah, it's private. <laughs> it's private here. So I think this is just a story. I mean, at the end of the day, the algos jumped it. Do I think it's going to get the jump again? I don't think so. With these kind of things, if you hear a rumor, you want to hear confirmation. So got to move because on what Friday. What happens is when they don't materialize and the stocks start to leak. So typically your pricing action when you have a rumor break is the pop and the excitement. And every day that goes by that doesn't get taken over, it starts to leak and leak and leak, and people eventually forget about it. I've often said if it comes back to the price where it was prior to the rumors, it's almost like I'm still getting the rumor for free and everybody's, you know, forgot about it. And then you hear about it later on because these deals don't materialize in a day or two. Sometimes they take months. And then, you know, you strike when it gives it back. But I rarely buy the day after the rumor because you're paying a huge premium for, you know, the potential, you know, of the, you know, bird, you know, it is you're paying a huge premium for the potential of a takeover. I'd rather wait until the rumor cools off and then maybe you know pay less of a premium later on if you're gonna play it. Continuing to move higher here, just kind of like Joel, you called it. Look at this. <laughs> the Alconan rally, they're calling it here now. We're up almost 10 handles from where Joel Alconan, <laughs> just at the beginning of pre-market prep, said the bulls are in control. Well, you know, the thing they did, they defended the close. That's what I was because I all night I was like, man, are they going to go red at all? Are they going to go red at all? Are they going to go red at all? And then you see that fourteen fifty and the close is fourteen and a quarter. I'm like, oh, well, they never took a red here, so just kind of just kind of giving what the market gave you overnight. Pre market high forty four thirty four. We're nothing area here. The next thing you have is an interday high from Thursday at uh, uh, 68.75. Do we have a uh, Mr. Quas lurking in the background yet? Almost, almost. He's here. He's coming. I can, I can hear him somewhere. He's coming along, you guys. But I did want to get a little bit into the earnings outlook for this week. We could take a look. There's not too many big names, but there is some names to pay attention to. I want to definitely take a look at Best Buy. That price oh. action has not been pretty lately. They report at the open tomorrow uh, that before the open. So this is there. something I think is definitely important. And we can talk about what's earnings to catch this week. I mean, obviously, we talked Neo already. Um, I'm interested in Scotiabank. I actually just bought the stock. I own BMO long term. So there's only two banks I own. They're both going to report. They never move that much usually on the earnings report. So Salesforce, CrowdStrike, Wednesday. Look, Wednesday after hours, Salesforce, CrowdStrike, Chewy's interesting, Viva, Okta, call it Cloud Day. And then Thursday, you get a few, you get Broadcom and Lululemon and Dell. 
I'm ignoring Dollar General because after the Dollar Tree, I'm like, holy, you know, I don't want to hear Dollar General. Maybe the expectations are a lot lower there, though. So there's some names, some interesting names, but nothing's going to move the overall market there. Very quiet week heading uh, heading into month end on Thursday, right? And then uh, are they going to do the? I'm going to check my economic calendar here. Are they going to do the jobs number on Friday? Because sometimes when it's the first day of the month, they don't. Let me check my uh, my economic calendar here. I should know this Thursday and then Friday. Man, there's so many economic numbers here. Friday at um, eight thirty. Uh, no. Are they? They're waiting nope. until the following Friday. Yeah. Yep. And also, we're coming into a three-day weekend, right? You know, maybe the old uh, Labor Day rally, perhaps that's uh, that's starting today. And then I think uh, Eric M mentioned in the chat. I think he asked you about it on uh, uh, Friday, Dennis, about the seasonality. And uh, usually, the last three, four, five days of August are a little bit for the seasonality, a little bit to the upside. So. That could be another potential reason for this uh, relentless rally here in the uh, in the S&Ps. What about Salesforce? I know they have recently an AI day that didn't really give them the jump. And I think a lot of that was the market coming down. They gave a lot of talk about AI. Um, could this maybe start to get the push if the market comes back? Well, and it reports Wednesday. And you know my strategies, simplistic, simple, simple, simple strategies. I'm not. You know, even though I got the CFA, I'm not sitting here crunching fundamental numbers and trying to figure out. I like to own stocks ahead of the reports. I like to own stocks ahead of the reports. And why? Because they're going to be talked about. Why? Because there's a buzz. Why? Because people are excited. Why? Because people who are short ahead of reports often cover. There's so many reasons to own stocks ahead of reports. So who's reporting this week? We talked. CrowdStrike, CRM. Those are the big names. Okta, Viva. They're going to be talked about you know, relentlessly on CNBC probably. So is there a lift ahead of those reports for these stocks? There often is. So I think you just got to continue to trade the simplistic strategies. I mean, who made more money, you know, than the people who were long NVIDIA ahead of the report? The thing went Nobody. from 430 to like 480 ahead of the report. It went up 15% ahead of the report for the four days. That's where the easy money is made. That's where I try to take advantage of. Uh, we're moving above uh, uh, 211 here. I keep a real close eye on 211 here. Three, four highs in that area. Three highs over the last three sessions. You hold the 211 bid here, then, you know, work our way up. Maybe uh, another pair of highs at uh, at 217. But big, big number for uh, CRM off the open here. Holding 211. Okay, let's get out of the charts. Let's go to our guests. You guys know what time it is. Market Structure Monday. Tim Quast is back with us. Founder, CEO, Market Structure Edge. It's always good to have you back into the chair, Tim. They've missed you. It's good to have you back, my friend. Good to see you guys. Thank you. All right, let's get to the markets. Of course, uh, a lot been going on lately. We're going to focus on what's happening as of late. One big signal, of course, that the market may have bottomed. Tell me a little bit about why the market <laughs> may have bottomed and one reason why recovery might not last. Well, that's a big question, Mitch. And uh, uh, Dennis, I, I heard you talking about stocks that uh, that are reporting companies that are reporting results and how you like to trade uh, ahead of those. I would like to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, but coming back to the so so the the, the uh, Mitch, here's how again, it's been a little while since I've been on here, but I think about the market from from a market structure standpoint. and uh, it's not a you know it's it's not every day isn't just another day in the stock market. There are there's a cadence and a calendar uh, to how the stock market functions. And, and if you look at, I'll show you, I'll show you something here, if I may. I'll Let's do it. Share my, share my screen. Of course. And uh, the, the, this is how I think about it. Uh, the, there are points in the market where you should have exposure to stocks and times when you shouldn't. And I realize that, uh, you know, we all grew up believing that you can't time the market. And I wouldn't call it timing the market. I would just say 
there are points at which you are likely to produce gains and points at which you're likely not to. And it would be nice to avoid those periods where you're yeah. you're less likely to produce gains, right? So yes. here's how here's right. Uh, it's that seems like basic common sense that you would want yeah, to do. No, that. I always say that uh, the best day traders, at least what I notice, is that some know how to hit the brake pedal and hit right. the gas pedal when needed. Right, right. So to get to the per first part of your question, why might the market be bottomed? Well, again, I'm thinking about this purely from a market structure standpoint, but it's pretty effective. So see this number here, this, this measure, broad market sentiment. 3.7 it's it there so we measure buying and selling by investors and traders on a 10 point scale and over the last you know if you if you went back to to the the, the whole data set that we provide on market structure edge which would go back to there are reasons for this uh back to july 2017 so what would that be uh, so it, it, it's it's uh, simple math would lead you to believe that's six years of data, right? That the the number of times that this this uh, reading has been below four is is under two percent of the entire data set. The the whole time, the whole whatever that is, thirteen hundred trading days. So uh, every and every single time over that data set that the reading has been below that green line, I'll zoom that in, stocks have risen every single time, 100% of the time. So that's why, very simply, I would say that the market is probably at a bottom. If I, if I just zoom out for a year, uh, this, this, uh, you can see how often that reading has been where it is currently here. And the, the gray part of the graph, that's SPY. Yeah. So the market has risen here, the market rose here, the market rose, and we're here again. Now, maybe this will be an exception. I don't know, uh, but it has always been true. To the second part of your question about why this might be very shallow is if you look at short volume in the market, that is the amount of, of volume coming from borrowed stock, and if we again we, we just look at the trailing year, uh, the levels were very low here. Relative, you know, the trend line has continued up. There isn't enough stock in the market to support demand, and so the supply coming from artificial stock, borrowed stock, created stock from market makers continues to rise. But if you were to look at them proportionately. Um, th this isn't awesome. There have been times here, supply was very high, but it plunged and the market rose. So I look at this data and say, well, that is not very good from a supply standpoint. So the, the, this very long winded answer would be mathematically, the market is bottomed. If you look at the supply side, it could be a very short bottom. Yeah. That's it. Especially after we get over that 50%, it seems like that's the hurdle definitely to, to be looking for. It is, right. I don't like to trade stocks with more than 50% short volume. So, and, and you should, going back to Dennis, to your, your point about stocks that are reporting results, if we look mm -hmm. at Salesforce, I think Salesforce is one of these. Yeah, it's I, I always check this as a trader uh, because you can get caught out. Uh, Salesforce is not over 50%. So that's good news. Demand is right at five. It's believe it or not, CRM trades a lot like a value stock. If it spends time at five, that's good news. If the supply side rises, particularly if it's above 50%, it's not axiomatic that that stock will decline, but it's very difficult to hold on to gains. So this is a 44%. So would I buy Salesforce ahead of results with, with, Demand at five and supply rising. I wouldn't. Because the supply is uh, rising. Uh, exactly. It doesn't mean yeah. that the stock's not going to perform well. But given the opportunity, you always want to stack the odds in your favor. And so I would look at this and say, eh, I would, I'll wait. Let's like look it, at let's... a couple other ones that are going to report okay. here. Let's look at CrowdStrike. And it's getting downgraded here today. So it's going to be weak. We got, I believe, is it Morgan? 
Mitch, I forget who's downgrading. I think it might be Morgan. I'll, I'll take a look at that. Have a look. And and you, you always want to do this beforehand. So again, it's it has it's at exactly the nexus of balanced buying and selling. That's really what five tells you. So it spent one, two, three, four, five days there. Uh, but the supply side, again, I look at this 58% short uh, and rising. It does not mean that CrowdStrike can't rise, but I would look at that and say, I'll find something else. It's that easy. I mean, you don't know what they're going to report, but this is everything everybody thinks. That's what shows up in market structure so that you don't have to know every little nuance that might affect the price. You could, you know, you could look at it and say, well, 60% short, five demand. I'd rather buy it at 10 with falling supply, really. What do you All like right, right now? Is there anything you like? Sorry, I'm just taking over here again. Well, much. no, no. It's, it's so, so here's an interesting thing. Believe it or not, NVIDIA, oh, in fact, I'm going to do it this way because we use math to sort these things out. And if you look at the, so here are the two core portfolios that I trade from. So I will trade momentum when momentum exists. What's in that momentum one? Go back one. for a minute because it's only one right. stock. There's only like, one in there stock, right? right? What, what is the one. stock in there? Like this is like you're, it's conflicted. Like you come in here today, right. I'm kind of conflicted because you come in and think the market's bottom, but then I only see one stock in the momentum filter, and I'm like, uh, do you just I think agree. there should be more stocks in there? Is this like a contrarian call here? Like there's only one stock in there. I will trade momentum when there are more than twenty, right? So and and again, there there are there are there are thirty five hundred public companies in the Wilshire 5000 index, a total market index. You see, we think there are, there are 10,000. Well, there aren't. There are multiple classes of stock. There are closed-end funds. There are ETFs. There are 2,900 ETFs that trade in the U.S. market. So to have one stock out of all of those, it's crazy. It's I mean, well, Actually, last Thursday and Friday, there were none. There were zero. Could that also be? Could that also be an indicator there, Tim, about uh, kind of that this run could be short lived? That we're not seeing twenty names in the momentum ready to get going here. Exactly. In January, there were thirty-seven. In mid-May, after May options expirations, there were thirty-five. So you could go. You could. You were just assured of making big returns trading momentum. Uh, but here's the, you know, this is the funny thing to me. NVIDIA, after pulling back from $500 on whenever that was, was that Thursday or Friday? I can't remember, uh, is intraday high. It's actually the only stock in the momentum portfolio. And and here's why. I mean, there are multiple criteria, criteria that, that uh, factor into the sort. But yeah. it looks for things that are 10 close to it anyway, and that have falling supply. So I don't know if you can see this very well. So it's still very high. You know, if you look at this 49% short, but it's coming down and demand is very strong. That condition tends to produce gains. Um, so so I, ha- I have a big question here, right? Okay. I mean, let, yeah. let's say last week you got caught on that report. You bought 500. <laughs> can you get back to those levels? It's right. I mean, it's so so some math for you. So NVIDIA moves about 6% per day between intraday high and low. And if you bought it at 500, you're well aware of this. (laughs) It's trading at 460 right now, right? This is where it closed on on Friday. So do the math on that. What is 6% of that price or roughly just you, you could say $500? Uh, 28, something like that, right? My, my math might not be quite right. So it, with these, if you bought it at 500 and you're thinking, ah, what a terrible decision, you might be okay. <laughs> you might be okay. Because two days of all of the intraday volatility, that's what I trade, by the way. How would you know? How would you know what a stock should trade at? I mean, what determines a price? 
ultimately, it is not what earnings a company produces. NVIDIA is a great example. There were clearly people on Thursday or Friday, whatever day it was, who thought, well, I'll pay $500 for that. But maybe it was a machine, right? You don't know. And that's the trouble with the stock market. Well, I'll give you something that will help you to know what you might be able to get in terms of a return. And it's the volatility. How much does this price move intraday on average? So you might, you might with these conditions, a strong demand, if supply continues to fall in three days, you might, you might make your money back. You might, because it would only take two of those days to tack on $56. All right. So that's do the math on that. You could be good, but but it's the danger of trading these kinds of things. And you'd say, well, what is volatility? Here's here's our measure right here. This is merely taking a five-day average of how much stocks move intraday. And it's the very same thing that Citadel and Jane Street and Two Sigma and Hudson River Trading and Infinium and GTS and Susquehanna, we could go on and on, are calculating. They're going to run models that say, well, how much should we move this price? Well, we're going to go look at the volatility. That's what they do. All right. So then you could use that to your advantage. Uh, you could use it even you know, short term. You say, well, if the stock pulls back half of that level and you have good supply demand uh, separation, there's a very high mathematical probability that you can make that back in one or two or three days. And why? Well, because machines have investment horizons of a day or less. So if you have an investment horizon of a day or more, you have an opportunity. You cannot outcompete the machines, but you can well, have more patience than them. I, I think a lot of people are thinking about that these days with AI, right? right? So we'll have yeah. to keep an eye on it. And uh, definitely the machines seem like they have a little bit of an advantage there. But they if you do. guys want to get a little bit of an advantage, definitely check out, of course, Market Structure Edge. I'm throwing up the link here like always. And check out Tim Quas. He's in our description down below. If you guys want to go ahead and give him a nice follow on Twitter. Always good to have you, Tim. And we'll look you guys. forward to you, you next week. Good to be um, back. Of course, Thanks Market time. Structure Mondays, guys. Let's get back to the markets. How are we looking here, Joel? The good old mute button. Oh, Don't I work. just knew it. I was going to it. I was going to it. I'm uh, sorry. Great, I'm quick with it. I'm quick with great, it. Great interview, guys. Uh, we're still just hanging out at the pre-market high. At, uh, right, 35 and a quarter. We're at 33. So... The, the bulls, the bulls have uh, done their trick overnight. Without when the liquidity comes in at nine thirty, we'll see if they sell it. Uh, Dennis, as you mentioned, the fifty percent retracement of uh, the move that we've had. Uh, you could do it with a spy or the S and P. Uh, we just missed that on Thursday. I think that's a. I mean, I'm kind of thinking that's it. You know, the market's kind of uh, you know limited resistance up till you get to that area. So that's what I'm looking at. That intraday high was 68.75 on Thursday. That's still 35 handles away, but always out of debt. I mean, the way the market's been trading this month, you got to think, you know, you're going to get a chance to get them a little bit cheaper today if you want to trade them from the long side. I don't side. think you need to chase stuff. I think uh, we're not in this environment where we need to chase here. So if you've got your shopping list, let the price come to you. There is some good value, you know, like we've been talking about some of the stocks that are good value down here if you're longer term. Your short term, though, it's just a market where there's still some stories, pockets of speculation like the VFS, you know, pockets of speculation like the NVIDIA, which obviously didn't work out, you know, off the earnings. But to Tim's point, you know, two a couple of days, you're right, 6%, 6%, you could be right back. So you can't just write NVIDIA off here. We know it could have a day here yet. It held the 450. That's good news. As long as NVIDIA holds 450, the bulls have a case. Yeah, what are the catalysts, though? You know, you had the. That's you what I'm concerned you, about. You, 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 I mean, you had the biggest hype, you know, ahead of the report. I mean, who's going to come? You know, people are going to come and upgrade it now. I mean, maybe some, maybe there's some brave analyst out there that is going to come out and say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm going to neutral. There's something on this, or I'm downgrading it, or you know, who knows? Not many people will not be uh, have the guts to downgrade this to sell, but you know, at least lighten up a little bit on it. But uh, 
we'll see. I still like that 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 471 area, and uh, boy, oh boy, 500. You're using a nice whole number like that. That was a that was a great. That was that was Friday's price action. Let's, let's grab three or four stocks here. Move away let's from go. the news from the tickers. GNRC. They're talking about in the chat. We are we just had that up. season. We are coming into hurricane season. I am long GNRC. I like the setup here. I like the setup ahead of hurricane season. I mean, you know, you had the one that out of California that fizzled out, but we kind of knew that was probably going to fizzle out. But you're coming into it. So, I, I mean, GNRC setup isn't bad here. The earnings weren't that bad. It was just a fact that they just decide, you know, if you miss on anything, if you say anything bad, they were kicking the crap out of you. And they kicked the crap out of this. But value is not bad here. I don't mind the GNRC setup. I don't think it's come back to 150 anytime soon, but could a hurricane bring it back up to 130? It's possible. I, I, at least from the hurricanes that I see out there, I would stay on the other side. I haven't seen anything that looks pretty scary for, let's say, Florida, Texas. It's the seasonality to it, though, Mitch. Here. I understand so we don't that, have Dennis. anything imminent. So... I understand that, but uh, my, my biggest thing is we're we're almost out of it, at, at least. Um, so we're out of hurricane season? I mean, what, what we have, like a month and a half left? I feel like we're just going into hurricane season. We're, we're in the correct? hot area. Let's look at the seasonality the of hurricanes. Area. What months are the west? August through September. So we're kind of in the middle. The midpoint is September. Exactly. The that's what I'm. That's what I'm noticing. Well, it, no, we're, so we're it's not. Of... So it's exactly wrong. We're right in the middle of it. So we're August. We start. We're right in the middle of it. September 10th is the midpoint. So we're coming into like we're we're in we're coming into the middle of it in another week and a half. So it hasn't been bad, and we hope it's not going to be bad. But I mean, the one way to play it, if you get hurricanes, is is you know GNRC is the pure way. It's the one that moves the most. We've talked about this stock every year in hurricane season. Every year, if you go back historically on GNRC time, go back to your monthlies. There's pops in hurricane season on this stock. So are we you know a little ways into it? And it has been bad yet. Yeah, we're starting into it, but we're still into it. Like this is. Just starting to get into peak hurricane season now. If if I was to add a stock to my long term portfolio, I I would I'd be seriously considering this one. Uh, I needed because I needed, your generator broke and you wanted a Generac. I know, I know. My generator. Hey, that thing I lasted eighteen years. Eighteen years that thing lasted, but I think it's what kind I, was that. I don't even know, man. I tried to look for the receipt. I guess I could run outside and look, man. And I just said, that, and I'm really upset with myself because I had a warning. I had two warnings. One, the guy came and tuned it up last time. And after he tuned it up, I came down to my office and I'm like, something smells in here. And I brought the guy down there. And I'm like, do you smell some? Oh, you know, I don't see. And then I looked and it blew one of, it blew one of my, uh, surge protectors and then also it runs every saturday at one o'clock it runs for like an hour and i'm just thinking i said to lisa yesterday i'm like man you know were we listening on saturday over the last month to see if the generator went on but i think it's more than the hurricanes i think it's the whole infrastructure i just think you know wildfires tornadoes we had seven tornadoes hit down last thursday i i just think they're expensive, and you know, not everyone could afford them. But man, I, I, I think it, it's a, it's a necessity. I What's think it's a must thing. We stayed, and maybe we should move on because yeah, let's move on from Generac. Uh, major resistance one eighteen. Yeah, one eighteen, man. If it takes out one eighteen, look out, man. Look out to the upside. This could even fill the gap someday. Okay, next stop. Uh, I think they, the chat got too hot on that. They, they didn't even include any other stock. They just wanted to do Generac. <laughs> they, just want, they all wanted GNRC. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got all, uh, who, who's the expert here on the Hurricanes game real quick? Uh, but let's go none ahead. Let's take the a look. answer is none of us on this show are the experts on Hurricanes. <laughs> all right. So here's an interesting one. Um, and, I, and I just want to bring it up for just idea generation, right? What about the Bitcoin plays if the regional banks still have issues? And the banking situation, because I did see him get a little spike last week. So I'm thinking about banks here, thinking about Bitcoin plays. You guys can take it wherever you guys want to. Well, Bitcoin has been crushed here in the last two months. It's sitting near the lows. So you're definitely buying near the lows. Um, could could there be, you know, if the regional banks are in trouble, we know before it really, it really helped Bitcoin. When the regional banks started getting in trouble, the re the Bitcoin owners want to see the regional banks in trouble. It's the reason that Bitcoin was built was a, a you know the financial alternative to banks. So this is what Bitcoin is all about. 
So if the regionals do get into trouble, and me and Money Mitch have said before, I think we're going to get more bank failures coming. I don't know if it's imminent or anything like that. Um, that's good for Bitcoin. Would I be buying Bitcoin here? I can maybe get talked into, but the problem is it depends on, you know, I'm going to go right back to NVIDIA. And not that Bitcoin and NVIDIA are linked to hand in hand, but it's risk. It's, you know, so what's NVIDIA doing? Can NVIDIA hold that 450? It's up here today now. Can it hold that 450 and continue to pop? I mean, that's, you know, if, as long as NVIDIA holds 450, I could get talked into Bitcoin. If NVIDIA loses 450, I don't want risk assets. This is like the Bitcoin setup. You see this so many times. You know, it has it has a sell-off and then find support in an area. And then it, uh, it it's key. I think if, if you're a Bitcoin trader, just look both ways on this one. If you want to try it from the long side at this area, then I think you got to be prepared to go short if it takes out the recent low of the move at 25,700 because there ain't nothing underneath that. But, uh, you know, you had to sell off here in long consolidation. It's, it's on support. You can't argue that uh, Bitcoin is not on short-term support. So not sure what the catalyst was, but if you break down to that low at uh, 25700 uh, looks kind of uh, thin on the downside there for uh, as far as daily support levels go in Bitcoin. Okay, my last wrap up here. I did want to tell you guys we got a monster interview definitely to check out this week. You guys don't want to miss it on Wednesday. We will be having the Raz report come out with, of course, none other than ARK Invest Kathy Wood. You guys oh, don't nice. want to miss that. Right. Really good interview. Don't miss it. And I want to give you guys a little bit of a sneak preview to check it out. You guys can check out that short I threw up right now in the link. And this is going to be on Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. So don't miss that. Last time we had Kathy Wood on, it went viral, definitely with the comments on Kramer. And I've seen this interview. You guys don't want to miss it. Definitely check that out. Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. That's going to do it for me. We'll bring you guys over to live trading coming up next. Who will we have on tomorrow, Joe? You know, what a perfect day to have Ryan Dietrich on. Statman do is going to be on tomorrow. We need Ryan. So we need Ryan. Man. We need yep. more Ryan in our life. <laughs> All right, guys. You guys have a great one. Always catch us here. Pre-market prep. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Up next, live trading.